Sometimes you ask yourself, are you successful? Mm. You have to have motivation and um, the drive to do it and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people sit there and do, but they just sit with the analyzing and they're too scared to actually jump in. Success. Mm. Success. Mm. Hi, thanks for tuning in for Success Umen. This is a local Minnesota podcast talking about people who have become successful in their own line of work, whether they've started their own business, had a side hustle, or just been highly successful at their W-2 job. And here we are connecting people. Tune in, see who's on board today. All right. Well, Levi Hofstad, thank you for coming. Um, For those that don't know Levi... You're very lucky, and <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, he's he's a great person. You could kind of say that we grew up together, and he works his nine to five in IT. But uh, a few years ago, started investing in real estate and did the Burr method. So Levi, if you kind of want to talk about how you got started in your career like what made you choose it and how did that build the foundation that you needed to get into real estate investing i don't know it was just i sat there and i played with computers growing up and stuff like that and i didn't really know much about them i just played video games on them so so if anybody plays video games they can get into it yep pretty much no just like (laughs) i just wanted to learn more about them and stuff like that because i only knew like the outside of it so I sat there and wanted to know more, so I went to school for it, and next thing you know, and here where I'm at now. That's so cool. Center. Yeah. So you can uh, professionally tell people to turn it on and back on again? Yep. That's awesome. pretty much what I do. No, you're good. No, that's pretty much what I do. That fixes about 190% of the problems. <laughs> and Okay. So tell me about the first house that you ever built, bought. Um, well, I used a realtor. Um, we went out, um, looked for, was it a good realtor? No, not really good. Kind of just, we kind of fumbled through the first whole deal. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we just went around and looked at houses and, you know, basically do the same thing, run budget numbers and all that sort of stuff. And then we found one we thought would be a decent deal and it was a lower price cost and stuff like that. So it wouldn't hurt too much if everything failed. So less risk. Yeah. Less risk, essentially. Sat there, went, um, thought it would have been good, threw in the offer, um, got it, and then basically ran through all the steps with everything. And What are all the steps? Uh, basically, we bought it, and then we had to work with uh, uh, St. Paul or whatever. Um, because your house, it was registered vacant. Yes, it was a Category 4 or something like that. Or I think it was a Cat 2. Cat 2, something like that, yeah. Either way, it's a bad house. Yep. So it was a bad house, and then they gave us, like, this laundry list of uh, stuff we had to work on to get it back up in livable order. And And, to code. And to code, yep. So I think, like, the funny thing about these registered vacant houses is you could have a house that was built in 1890 and hasn't been updated the whole time, and it'll still be grandfathered in. Yep. Now, if this house goes into disrepair, 
gets foreclosed on, the city takes it over, and then it gets put into the registered vacant category, all of a sudden you have to redo all of the electrical. Yep. How much can do you remember what your rehab cost was for that first house? Probably, I mean, it was before COVID, so it wasn't too bad of stuff, but maybe 40 grand. So you got a house for 100,000. You put 40 into it, and we just sold that for two. I think it was 250. 250? 240, 250. Who sold it? I sold it. Do you know how many houses I sell? Probably once a month. (laughs) I can't remember all my houses. No, I think it was 250. I I don't remember. Um, so, and that was in a time frame of four years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could have, I mean, yeah, obviously did there. I mean, we could have sold it, but we held on to it, so. Yeah, I mean, so going into, I think your initial plan that you told me, I was his realtor, his bad realtor back in the day. <laughs> you sense improved. I, not much, but um, I think you told me that what you'd wanted to do was buy your first house, renovate it, refinance it, rent it out, and then buy the next one. Mm -hmm. And you did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was that process difficult? Would you recommend it to other people? Um, No, it wasn't difficult at all. It was just you have to have motivation and um, the drive to do it and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people sit there and do, but they just sit with the analyzing and they're too scared to actually jump in. There's a lot of people that are sitting on the sidelines. So I think you have to like actually be willing to go and jump in and do it is probably what it is. So you just have to have the drive. So the drive, you've got to have not analysis paralysis. And how do you tell the difference between a house that's worth investing in and one that's shouldn't be touched um obviously you got to run the numbers um and so our first house we kind of went through and we guesstimated on how much stuff would cost based on you know you can look at quotes and stuff like that and when we actually did it we realized what our numbers were and what it actually came out to be and then we put that aside on another sheet you know those numbers off what you thought they were going to be and what they cost no because we ran up pretty conservatively so we always overestimate it's always better to overestimate than underestimate underestimate Mm -hmm. so we sat there and then we took the actual numbers and then when we looked at the next deals we're like all right well the kitchen costs like 15 grand and then you know doing a whole new basement was like 20 grand stuff like that so then when we go look at new houses we took it we always took pictures and everything and then we guesstimate like all right we've got to fix this this and this and based on our previous numbers it costs this much and so we take like the after um, repair value and then we minus the repair cost and then plus what we want to make and then the value of what it would be purchased at. So you just have to like reverse engineer it in a way. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's what we did for our next deal and stuff like that. So are there equations that you use to calculate if a house is worth the effort? Yeah. Is there a way that people can come up with their own equations or is there a way to not reinvent the wheel so they can just Google? Yeah, you can literally Google them. There's a bunch of different um, sheets out there. People give it out. Um, or you could just kind of see what other people do and then put, make your own sheet or whatever. And that's kind of what we did. We saw what everybody else does. Um, like bigger pockets is a huge one. 
they give out a free one. Um, there's a couple other YouTubers that have their own as well. They're not all the same. So what you could do is just take them all, look at them, see what you like in them, and then put that in your own and make your own out of it and stuff like that. And that's what we did. We just made our own on what we liked and what we didn't like. And then that's what we run it on. And I mean, it's the first deal it worked out and every other deal's worked out with us so far, so. Every other deal, huh? Yeah. So, okay, first deal. Okay, I need to do a plug too because uh, there are certain times when a realtor knows when they need to step out of the deal. So I have not been involved in all of your real estate transactions and it's cool because <laughs> I'm not angry about it. There's a lot of realtors that get angry when someone chooses to not work with them and I'm genuinely not. But the flip side of that is I don't know what houses you bought. <laughs> so you bought that first one. We did mm -hmm. that deal together. And then what was your second one? It was a duplex in Minnehaha. Okay. On Minnehaha. Yeah. Uh, yep. In St. Okay. Paul. Okay. Uh, kind of about downtown. Okay. And then? We have a triplex in Hastings. Okay. And then? And then uh, apartment building in Hastings. Okay, and that's the one that you did the um, the tax exchange for? Yep, 1031, yep. So for everyone listening who doesn't know what a 1031 tax exchange is, it is when you hire a company to hold your proceeds from the sale, and you can direct the proceeds from the sale of a real estate asset into your next investment, and you do not pay taxes until you sell that next investment. And it's a tool that most major investors use to build their wealth quickly and um, play to the retirement end game, really. Yep, you just keep deferring it further. And you just keep kicking a bucket or can down the road yeah. is what it is. Kicking the can down the road. Um, and <laughs> I think... And the idea behind it is one day when you sell, when you're retired, once you're actually retired, your tax bracket is going to be less than what it is now. And ideally, unless <laughs> you make, well, you probably will make a bunch of money when you sell those houses, but um, ideally you're taxed at a lower tax bracket when you're retired. So um, it does make sense. And this is just a money hack that wealthy investors use to make sure that their wealth stays wealth um cool so you had the saint paul house the duplex the triplex how many doors are you up to right now it's about 26 well oh, i did oh. my yeah you did the primary i did the primary with you yeah oh I, I yeah yeah i remember that one well not the prices but yeah but that was a year ago i think yeah. a little over a year ago now yeah so i was like, well. partially involved in the 1099 and i appreciate the business i do um, but so 26 doors now, and, um, do you think that the grapes are worth the squeeze? Is it like, have you seen with it now? There are times where you will be working every day after work. You work your nine to five, you go out and you work on your building. And then every weekend you wake up early and you're working on the building. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get to a point of regret? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's a lot of work and sometimes you get tired, but 
no, it's something you're, it's something that I'm building. So it's um, definitely a lot more enjoyable. So I don't really consider it work necessarily. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's but fun work. Yeah, it's fun work or whatever. So it's something that I'm creating rather than something somebody else is creating, mm -hmm. um, which is a huge thing. But um, do I reap the benefits right now? No. <laughs> Sit there if that's what you meant by the grapes or whatever. Um, it's basically all stuck inside these buildings or whatever. And um, I'm not really getting payouts or anything like that. It's It's like if you were to buy stocks or whatever and you sit there and hold them, it's not really liquid. So we'll sit there. Down the road, it definitely will be, but right now it's just mm -hmm. trying to get it up and running and everything else like that before I start uh, benefiting. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing about real estate investing is when you start becoming a landlord, you will feel so broke for so long. And you are broke. Mm -hmm. Like, most of the time, your paycheck goes straight into that property. And it, like, it's hard not being able to see your labors or the fruits of your labors until maybe 30 years down the road. But for those people who are smart about investing, it it's just such a powerful tool. Yeah. It's definitely not instant gratification, that's for sure. No. I mean... You don't get gratification from taking your sold picture? Well, I mean, that too. Well, <laughs> from the other ones we did, um, depending on the building, yeah. But like when we sold the first one, you know, we put so much time and effort into it. It was like, oh, man, I remember, you know, all the memories you've had of, you know, demoing everything and building everything there. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I made that house or whatever. And you sold it. I don't know. Like if you're a construction worker, you'd go down and it's like, oh, I made that house. Oh, I made that, you know. Yeah. It's like your old childhood home that you used to live in. You drive by and you're like, oh, I used to live there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of something like that. But yeah, I mean, memories are still memories, even when they're just in your head. So mm -hmm. uh, and I can tell you that the person who bought your house is very thankful that he's in there. So nice. Good. Yeah. He enjoys it. He's really happy. We put really good work into it. So hopefully it hopefully it works out well. for him. <laughs> I mean, it will. It always works out for a while. Um. Yeah, that's that's cool. That that is a really good house. Um, so, if you could start your invest, if you could start at the beginning and do your investing any differently, what is the one thing that you would change? Um, I don't know, sir. Back then, I mean, I mean, other than starting earlier than what we did. Um, when did you start? I think it was 2019 or something like that. It was 2019. Yeah. Started in 2019. So if we could have started in like 2017, that would have been so much better. But I don't know. We could have started in, when were you born? 89? 90. Oh. We could have started in 90. Really young. Right when I was born. Mm, I don't know if I'm really young anymore. <laughs> true. True. Um, comparatively. Um, okay. So I think I do hear that sentiment from people who delayed their real estate investing that they always wish that they would have gotten it earlier mm -hmm. because real estate is a long game. Houses go up in value, but they take a while to get there. Yep. And I think you just have to focus on that end game. You, you need to know that you're going to have to sacrifice when you're younger. And it feels like 10, 15, 30 years down the road is a really far way away, but if you can remember 30 years ago, 
30 years in the future isn't that far away. Yeah, true. Well, but also with that first house that I made, um, we got that in 2019 and we sold it, what, is it four, five years or something like that? Yeah. And sold it for a bunch and turned it into another building. So just because you don't necessarily have to wait the 30 years. I mean, there could always oh, be another no. deal that comes out too. And you can trade the older ones in for newer ones and stuff like that and upgrade. So if you have a bunch of them and you sit there and, you know, over the time they'll start paying down and everything and you have all that equity, then you can turn it into a bigger, larger unit and then go from there. So yeah. it's never a wrong time to get in. Yeah. Yeah. The media would say otherwise, but I think there's always a time and a place if you're being responsible with your money, for sure. Um, so success, I think, looks different to everybody. And that's why you see people performing at all of these different levels. Mm -hmm. But how do you define success? Um, are you talking like? Like you money-wise, you made it or... You can be as abstract with this as you want. Mm, that's a good one. I don't know. I think success would be once I, um, you know, I guess it'd be more like goal-oriented. Goal so we'll sit there and once we get the apartment building all done and stuff, you know, I think of that as success. You know, you check off a goal and then you got to find the next one and go through there. Or when you find a big deal and you get it done with or whatever. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel good. I don't know... There's no really end goal, I guess, but. I think I heard once that the best way to build your own self-confidence is to follow through on what you said you would do. Yeah, that's so true. So I think like you saying that just very much hits on that. Yeah. And the thing is, there's like really no stopping, I guess. I don't really have like an end goal in mind. So it's just going to keep buying it and then find the next one, go do that and then find the next one probably until I get, you know too old or rickety or something or mm -hmm. can't deal with it anymore. Rickety? Yep. <laughs> Get old. I've never seen someone rickety. <laughs> um, but so is there a point where your real estate investments are going to make more than what you make at your job? Yeah, for sure. Is your goal to not work? Um, not work. Yeah, quote unquote, or be financially independent. Um, I would like to, but just there also comes a time, too, where I don't want to just sit around and not do anything all day, I guess. So for now, I just do the W-2 for, like, benefits and um, investing in the stock market. So that way, you know, I invest every dollar I invest now is going to be worth, like, $5 10 years down the road or something like that. So why not take advantage of it that while I'm still able to work um, and do it because, obviously, I don't want to work forever. So the more I can do now, the less I do later. Mm -hmm. That's very, that shows a lot of foresight because I think a lot of people um, don't necessarily want to do the sacrifice for that end game. Yeah, this is true. I mean, like my shoes are only going to look cute on me for like the next five, 10 years, you know? Yeah. So might as well buy the designer now, right? Yeah, if you want. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, depends. I mean, yeah. It'd be different for girls and guys, so I guess for you, it'd be a little different. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I also invest in real estate, and I am broke so much of the time. Mm -hmm. it, you got to keep investing back. That's yeah. why That's why you got to run the numbers, because it's like a lot of it, you can't get too emotionally involved. It's got to be 
it's just like stocks too. You just can't get emotionally involved into it because, you know, stocks will go up and down. Same thing. You can't just sit there, buy a stock. And if it tanks, you can't be like, oh, no, I'm scared and sell. You got to sit there and know that it's actually worth it and it's going to go back up in value and then just let it take its course and let it go back up. So yeah, you just have to sit there and invest a little bit into it and it'll pay off in the long run. How do you always keep your eyes in the long run? Because I feel like everything you've said so far is like it's worth it's worth eating nothing but ramen for eating steaks in the future. Take it out. Yeah. But my long run, I guess my goal right now is I think two years. So it's not two years isn't that long. But that's where things will start. You know, the grape thing that you talked about, it'll start flowing through. So I'll start grapes in the squeeze. Yep. So I'll start cash flowing and everything. Then that's when I'll start reaping the rewards. So that'll be when that happens. But then, you know, if more deals come along, then obviously we got to go to that. So it's not like, I don't know, it's just a bunch of unknowns in the future. Because mm-hmm. obviously I want to do more work and keep doing it. But we'll just have to see, you know, if we get another distressed property or two of them, then obviously we have to go do that. And, you know, then maybe we'll just delay it further and stuff like that. So it just depends on where I'm comfortable with. Delay by it? What do you mean? delay it like like the no the cash flows so instead Um, of taking cash flow um because when the money comes out of the company and comes to me i still have to pay taxes on it kind of like a 1031 or whatever i'll just leave it in the company to pay for other stuff oh so there becomes a fine line between like right now you're investing all of your money all of your rental income back into the property you're not seeing a penny of it yeah and that eventually will turn into a pile of money. Mm-hmm. When it turns into a pile of money, that means you've got the reserves to take care of emergencies of the building, but you could also start cash flowing and start taking out a monthly payment. Yeah, I mean, I we could right now, but we just, there's a lot of work that's a rehab that needs to be done and a bunch of maintenance to be done. And if we were to pay myself, you have to pay taxes on it, and then you just throw the money back into the object the repairs you still have to pay taxes again on it so instead of paying double taxes on the money just leave it back in there essentially tax defer delay the taxes and just keep buying it through there so it's just keep improving the building yeah it's better it's better use of your money rather than pay you know seven percent tax on the money and fix it you just get seven percent return or ten percent return on your money Mm -hmm. by not having to pay double taxes and stuff Hmm. so we're just doing that for now and then when that's all done then we'll go back it's just like a 401k and stuff like that. Just tax deferred mm-hmm. is what it is. I mean, the same with the 401k. You really can't touch it, but you don't pay taxes on it until the very end. So, hmm. You've said we a few times. Yeah, me, my brother, and I guess you, if you have a 401k. Oh, okay. I think, like you said, <laughs> I don't have a 401k. <laughs> oh, well, if you did, I mean, you can probably still make one. Real So self-employed people have... Um, Different products, but I have a similar product. Well, Ross, you could do Ross too. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, you said we talking about real estate investing. Do you have a team of investors that you work with? Um, I guess a team is more just my brothers. Just brothers. Yep. So it's a family thing. <laughs> has dealing with your brothers in real estate investing, has it been dicey? or cause, And like, I only say that because... So many people say like, oh, be careful about working with family. But from what I hear about your investing, like it's been pretty smooth. Yeah. I don't think so. I think people just, I don't know why people would say that or 
do that. I guess you can get emotionally involved with certain stuff, but no, we've been working pretty well. I mean, after the first deal, everything went pretty smooth. So mm-hmm. we're just like, hey, we'll just keep going and doing it and stuff like that. So as long as you have the same vision and um, same goals in the mind, then it goes pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You just make a task list and then, you know, everybody checks it over and you, as long as you're on the same page and you're good to go. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not too hard. It's a house. So, Did you guys write up a contract beforehand to talk about, like, what happens if everything goes bad? Um, No, not really. I mean, we just have, like, a LLC, but... Yeah, just a handshake deal. Pretty much, yeah. Good. Is that out there? Yeah. But, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, if you're on the mortgage or title of the house, you mean, it's still your asset. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I just am... Um, getting your perspective of how you got it all started. Yeah, but our family's pretty close, so I think uh, we get along pretty well. We got good foundation, stuff like that, so that definitely helps. Um, no, I mean, for us, it worked out well. Yeah. Don't know about other families. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. What about you? Would you ever invest with your uh, siblings? I mean, so I have always invested alone. Also, the rule in my family is don't co-sign with anybody ever. That has always been what my parents have raised us on. And yeah, so yes, like in in theory, I trust my brothers. Yes, 100%, hands down, I would go in. But what happens if one of us has a life emergency? And now all of a sudden, because they need to make a withdrawal from the business account, of course I'm going to let them, but it's going to mess up the whole business. I, for my own sanity, for my own sake, I like investing by myself because I I can um, create my own projections, basically. Like, for the most part, if I want more money, I can just work a little bit harder. So I don't necessarily, also, if the market tanks, I'm broke. I don't want to tie my W-2 brothers to my fluctuating income. So I just think I would rather preserve the relationship with my family than tie them in and do this. And I, I know that I can do it on my own. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing to invest with family. I've had it easier investing on my own. Yeah, I think the first part, obviously, with the co-signing part, um, that's a good thing because if you technically can't afford it, you probably shouldn't afford it. Yeah. And that's a good thing to live by. But co-signing for us, we have everything through an LLC. Um, and technically, rentals pay for themselves, quote unquote. So if you had it, even if you ha- you fell on hard times, they sh- the, the company should be paying for itself and run by itself, essentially, kind of like ours. It just runs by itself, pays for itself, and does everything like that. So we don't necessarily need to throw any money into it. But um, even if we all got laid off, um, and as long as people were still paying rent or whatever, it would still fluctuate itself or be just fine itself. Um, so that way it won't matter. Um, and then taking out deposits or if something happened to you know one of them and they needed the money, it's like, well, we'll figure out alternative ways where you know, debt collectors aren't going to go for it because it's a whole separate, you know, entity type thing. So mm-hmm. for the most part, we'd be fine. Um, obviously, we'd step in and help them, like personally, but 
the company itself is its own running machine. So yeah. it would do its own thing. So, I mean, but then part of it too is like now we're all, our whole family will succeed and elevate up and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's another benefit, I guess. So as long as our family all succeeds and we all do pretty well, I mean, it's just good. Yeah. I think like it's really cool how much faster you can grow wealth when you have it split between multiple families or multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 You definitely can grow a lot faster if you have multiple people or borrow money too. I mean, even your parents too. I mean, you can sit there and sit there and have them, instead of them investing into whatever stock market or mutual funds or something like that, you say, Hey, why don't you guys diversify and buy a house or something? Yeah. And then uh, that could be split between you and the siblings and, you know, let it grow for the next some odd years. We've had that talk. Um, we have also had the talk about how we are at different phases in their lives. Like mm-hmm. they're 30 years older than me. That is 30 years of equity growth that they've missed out on. Not that they missed out Who, on it. They, yeah. Um, not that they're missed out. Like they're our homeowners. They are making responsible decisions, but for them to get into real estate investing this late in the game doesn't really make sense. But it's Re- not them though. It's for you guys. So Basically, what they could do in short terms is they could sit there, buy a bunch of rentals, throw them in a trust, have you guys as the trustees, and then you guys will receive increment payments every month of X amount of money. And then you guys just inherit that for, you know, your forever life now. And you just leave it in there. Is this how I become a sugar baby? Mm -hmm. Coach my dad on investing. (laughs) Yep. Sit there. I mean, your dad's done it, hasn't he? He he had a couple investments back in... Uh, shortly after college, he hated it, hated it. I think, well, did he hate it just because he had bad tenants or? There was was a tenant that like was running from the cops one time, ran up through the attic and fell through the ceiling. Like, that's terrible. (laughs) Now look at the tenants. Doesn't he have another rental right now down in Cedar? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He, um... He does definitely more there than I do. But uh, so he does a very good job of property management um, and helping out. But there was a long time getting him on board. He would not have started investing with me when I was a new investor. I had to invest on my own for a long time. And once he realized, like, well, she's doing it with or without me, then he kind of jumped on board and now he's helping out but he is not assisting financially. Take it out. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't like tell you more about it because since he's already been through the whole ringer and he everything. not to do it. Why though? Because <laughs> that guy fell through the ceiling. Take it out. What am yeah. I going to do if a guy falls through a ceiling? <laughs> Take it out. It's a bad accident. Well, I guess you have to... <laughs> Hopefully insurance or something will step in there too, but... I, I think they did. I think no. they did. But your dad, I think, seems to enjoy it. He'll go out there and do a bunch of work and stuff. I think it, it, he's retired now and I think it definitely gives him something to do. He likes getting out of the house and he's always liked projects like that. So, yeah. Um, so you have to keep buying more then. I, yeah, we'll see. Um, no, I, I mean, I probably will just slowly grow my portfolio, but I am in, um, I've always invested differently than you. Mm-hmm. I'm more of <laughs> the 20% down slow growth. So, um, yeah, different strokes. Yeah, well, part of it, too, is, like, I hate PMI. It's just not good. Yeah. It's just money that you'll never get back. So it's just the return on your money. So it's just better to put 20% down if you can. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to, but it's 
financially a lot better. Yeah. So I've, and like the way I make money, like I might make a bunch of money in one month and then I get paid for six. So when I have a good month like that, I'm going to buy a house probably. So um, that's why my investing has worked out differently. And then that keeps my monthly payments lower and that gives me a little bit more flexibility with um, my day-to-day budgeting and that boring stuff. Yeah, well, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe boring, but it's important. But Yeah, it's boring. Um, are there any regular habits you have that keep you successful? Like, are you that 5 a.m. club? No. I mean, <laughs> I probably should be, but no. I said that I stay up way too late sometimes. <laughs> um, it's not really doing anything important, but it's just, I don't know, sitting there and just end up scrolling or reading about something or learning something. You just lose track of time. Yeah. So your thing is that you just zoom in on like reading new materials or certain things like research. Um, YouTube's got their own little rabbit hole you can go into about financial stuff and You're a big real fan estate of stuff. Too. That too. Yep. Yeah. Reddit's got, I mean, there's information everywhere. And so you just get it. I get it from everywhere. And I don't know, sometimes you'd be watching DIY projects on YouTube on how to, you know, if I had to go fix certain things or do certain things, I'll sit there and YouTube stuff for a while and, you know, you can um, see how other people are doing other projects and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's nine o'clock and you're sitting there and watch a couple of videos and now it's already midnight and you're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. But you did learn how to fix that plumbing. Which one? Well, I don't know. Whichever one you were watching on YouTube till midnight. Taking out there. Um, no, a lot of it was demo work. Um, then there's some like patchwork and stuff like that. But it just depends on what it is. Do you need to learn how to do demo work or can you just take a sledgehammer <clears throat> to it? Um, sometimes, yeah, but depends on like what's there and what's not um like how to take tile up or if there's asbestos under it or certain just random just want to double check certain things or you know can you take a certain piece of plumbing out and hope it doesn't leak everywhere or something like that so i don't know can youtube teach you that or is it just fingers crossed um you could do both but i always caution on the safe side and google everything first google everything don't call a plumber google yep great sit there and make sure it works but Words no. to live by, everybody. <laughs> Don't call the plumber. Google. <laughs> yep. Google knows all. It really does. But there's a lot of liars out there. Yeah. That's why I got to take with a grain of salt and <laughs> search multiple different things first. See if it's... Oh, God. Um, who has been your greatest mentor? And what has made them so influential in your life? I don't know. I guess I don't know about mentor, but just obviously your parents, my parents, my um, parents, not your parents, but my parents, but everybody's parents in general <laughs> is supposed to be their probably biggest mentor or some hopefully um, it's my parents, I guess, just growing up and how they raised us and everything. So mm-hmm. just having a good um, family helps, too. Did your parents ever talk finances with you? Like growing up, did they ever talk about money? Um, No. I don't think so. The only thing that really did do were um, if we do chores, we'd make money. Mm. And I think that was our only thing. And um, I think that plays a pretty big role, uh, not to name any of my brother's names, but um, whenever I would do chores and get money, I'd always save it and I would never, ever spend it. And then my other brothers, I'd uh, trick them to spend their money (laughs) on stuff we'd do. Oh, hey, we're just here getting Dairy Queen. I forgot so, my money. <laughs> yep, I'd trick him. But then there's another brother who every time he got a nickel would spend it 
and yeah. he's still the same way to this day. So I don't know if it's ingrained in us or we somehow took it from childhood and learned it somehow. But mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of uh, I basically saved everything, kind of like uh, Grandma. She'd save every penny. Oh my god, that's kind of the same way I am. Yeah, save it up there. So I don't know if it's ingrained from that or something, but didn't work on me. So take it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So grandma was your greatest mentor. No, that'd just be the financial part. But um, no, with my mom and dad, for sure, sitting there and raising me or whatever, mm-hmm. teaching me life lessons, stuff along the way. Plus, what life lessons? You're being so abstract. Just everything in general, just like everything in general, <laughs> being nice to people, um, saving money. Um, I don't know, just having a good family that you can trust and rely on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you turned out OK. You still got a lot of growing. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely have much to improve on, but got to start somewhere, right? Uh, please get started. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Um, hmm. Do you have a favorite place that you lived? Um. Yeah, it was the uh, very first house on Sunrise Road or whatever. Um, Over by the old church. Yep. Set out there just because that was where all my memories were. I think I lived there. I can't remember. Feels like maybe middle school I moved or something like that. I think in the middle of middle school or something like that I moved. But I just have all my childhood memories there. And I think you moved in two thousand three. Is that track? Probably about right, but I still don't know where I was at that time. Um, could have been middle school, maybe early high school. Anyway. <clears throat> But it's just got all my childhood memories, um, you know, your very first friends I've ever made. Are you still um, friends with them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We still talk every once in a while. Well, I was just at one of their weddings. Yeah? On the 13th and stuff. But, no, yeah, I still talk with all my original friends and everything. Um, keep in contact and stuff like that. But So your favorite place you lived was your first place that you ever lived, and it never got better. Um, no, it definitely for sure got better, but it's just most of my memories are there or whatever. So I think there's something to be said about the people that you live with and around Mm -hmm. make home what it is for sure. Yeah. That's what it was. I mean, there was no bad place I ever lived. Maybe. How many times did you get your car stolen? Okay. Well, that's a different thing. (laughs) Sit there. Uh, Um... Now, one question that I ask everybody, what is one phrase that you live by? One phrase that I live by? Like when you've got a good day, when you've got a bad day, this is what's in your head and keeps you going. That's a good one. I don't even know. (laughs) You just call me for advice? Yep. I'll just sit there and call you. No, um, I don't know. You just got to get through the bad days and, and to enjoy the good days, I guess. You don't really know that there's good days if there's not bad ones. Yep. Is it true? Um, who is one successful person that you think would be really fun on this podcast? Um, you could try Garrett, I guess. Yeah. You can try him out. Garrett, the HVAC guy? Yep. Sit there. Okay. I'm sure he's got a lot. I mean, he runs a business and everything, too, so I'm sure he's got a lot of information. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every time we see him, he, he gets to chatting. Yeah. All right, I'll call him. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you for being on the show. Um, no problem. Second episode. 
You almost made it to number one. Oh crap! <laughs> maybe maybe next uh, next podcast that I start, you can be the first. And I get paid for these, right? Yeah, it's in the mail. Okay, I'll wait for it. Uh huh. Perfect. Go, go home and check. Thank you for coming. It's been great. Learned a lot. I feel like you provided a lot of really good educational material, especially for some of our first time investors that are just talking about getting into the game. Um, you got to start somewhere. Yep. Got to start somewhere, and you got to start yesterday. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for coming. We'll have you next time. Sweet. Thanks. Success. Mm.